0: back to big mood little mood I am your host Daniel Lavery and with me in the studio this week is Danielle Moody the host of the podcast woke AF where she explores the many facets of what it means to be quote-unquote woke in modern life Danielle welcome to the show
1: thank you so much for having me
0: I I'm so looking forward to this we have uh, a real like series of doozies today <laughs> um, I'm very very I see excited that. yeah they they're all my favorite Um they're all just, they, they will take us places. How are you? How's your week going? How's your day going?
1: You know, my week is going well. I feel like I am swimming in quicksand. I think it's because the earth is spinning faster. I don't know if you got that memo a couple of months ago. And um, yeah, we're just racing towards the end of the year.
0: Because it's fall or like just as no, a general? No, because
1: yeah, climate change. Apparently we have, you know, altered our atmosphere. No big
0: deal and that makes it spin faster
1: yeah correct
0: well yeah we'll so when see you a, when
1: you're feeling out of control just know that um, you're not crazy
0: I, I just want you to know that I googled that as soon as you said it uh, and the first thing that showed up was a link from NPR and it said some scientists say it's climate change others say maybe it's because of earthquakes and I really like that broad range of possible explanations yeah
1: but what they didn't say is that it was false so <laughs> So there. Uh,
0: the second one says, apparently Earth has been speeding up for a few years now. Nobody is saying that it's it's false. So um, now I simply don't know what to believe. Correct. I can tell you that on my end, um, I realized today that I am not a, a figure of mystery and intrigue in my neighborhood, as I sort of hoped I might have been, because one of my neighbors mentioned that his nickname for me is Pajama Sam, because he always sees me out walking my dogs in my pajamas. And so I, I thought, wow, I guess, I guess... I guess you know, I am being just, seen. You just sometimes like hold out, like you, you try to see yourself like reasonably accurately, but you think like maybe there's a chance that I seem glamorous and mysterious to people who see me, and then someone says, "No, your nickname's Pajama Sam."
1: I should really consider how I am dropping off my trash now because I too will put on pajamas to do so and yeah. think that nobody is watching me. I, I mean, could yeah. end up in a TikTok video of Amy what not defense.
0: to do. I wear pajamas outside all the time, which is not especially mysterious. But on the upside, uh, I have a nickname from an older Italian-American gentleman in my neighborhood, and that's pretty fantastic. Like, uh, I would prefer to be a figure of, of real intrigue and, and gossip in the neighborhood and people are saying things like, where do you think he's from? And what do you think he's thinking? And he seems so mysterious. But this is a very good second choice.
1: You are a man of leisure and ease, and oh, that, that's and it. that is what that is what they are thinking. Oh, how yeah. can I? How can I too be in pajamas all day?
0: You have recuperated this, yeah. Thank no, you, you have recuperated this for yeah. me. I'm, I used I to do the PR Sydney Green Street of my neighborhood, <laughs> and I'm going to start talking like him. Um... This is such a good way to start things off. I'm going to be a man of leisure and ease as I try to advise people today. Uh, I don't know what particular mode uh, you want to occupy before you advise people, but I highly recommend choosing a stock character from regional theater and then sticking with it.
1: I I don't know stock theater, but I, I can I can pretend that I definitely Just am like somebody a, else,
0: a vamp, or like a a, a southern gentleman. Like a, oh, okay. You know, a, a, a detective who, who doesn't trust anybody, you know, just let like me be a characters. detective
1: that doesn't trust anyone.
0: Perfect. Then in <laughs> that case, I think uh, you're in like a really ideal headspace to read our first letter.
1: <laughs> okay, wonderful. So the subject reads, have you considered not doing that? I'm a career counselor and a leftist. There are a lot of jobs my students want to take that I find morally reprehensible. If they're right on the line, parentheses, thinking about maybe doing housing defense or working for Lockheed Martin, for example, I try to steer them towards defense. But there's plenty who are just dying to become career prosecutors. I know I'm not likely to change anyone's worldview, you know, but are there any questions I can ask that might plant seeds of curiosity?
0: I I love this hypothetical student who's like, on the one hand, Tenants' rights. On the other hand, building drones. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. They both sound so fun.
1: This is a big gap. <laughs> it's a big. It's a big leap to 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 make on this one. I don't even. What would be a good seed to
0: plant here? Yeah, you know, my assumption reading this was that this letter writer is a career counselor at a high school. Was that your read as well? Like, I, I know sometimes people refer to like students or clients sort of interchangeably, but it. it it seemed like these were high school students rather than like, I'm an adult career counselor who like takes on paid clients.
1: Yeah. And I see, and I read it as somebody who is doing career counseling at, let's say a community college. I didn't think of them being in high school, but yeah. Okay. I could see that.
0: Yeah. I suppose that would make a little bit more sense too, because if you were a career counselor in a high school, it it would be more likely that you would be discussing colleges and the, the question of what job a student might take after college would be slightly secondary to the conversation. But mostly I think it's just relevant to bring up because depending on whether or not it's a high school or a college, uh, depending on what state the letter writer's in, and depending on whether or not the school is publicly or privately funded, there might be some like rules governing what they can or cannot say like in the capacity of their job. So I suppose my first piece of advice, letter writer, would be, as you know your own situation better than we do find out what you can't say uh find Mm -hmm. out what you would get fired for saying uh (laughs) and don't say that like start with that and then once you have you know eliminated the things that you cannot say that's the the room you've got to play around in
1: yeah and i would say you know figure out what the motivation is right of uh of these students is it you know to be wealthy Is, you know, is it to make a difference? Like, what what is motivating them in this particular field and then maybe presenting them with opportunities or ideas that could essentially fall on, quote-unquote, both
0: sides? Yeah, I think open-ended questions about motivations. Certainly, if anyone's expressing, like, an interest in a career in the law, bringing up questions about, like, you know, false conviction statistics or police brutality or like prosecutorial overreach without like belaboring the point, right? Like don't come in with like a five-point paper and, and and make them go through every single question. But certainly you can say, hey, have you considered this? Have you thought about this? And again, depending on what kind of school you're at and the age of your students, you might even say, you know, especially with something like Lockheed Martin, like, I hope you don't consider a career in this field. Uh, I think it's wrong. I can't stop you, of course, and I will help you in my uh, capacity as your career counselor. But I just wanted to say that, um, again, if that would be a fireable offense, consider whether or not you think it'd be worth getting fired over saying that. But um, I think, yeah, expressing a personal opinion about, like, I think you could do better things than go into uh, defense contract work. um, That sounds pretty good to me, right?
1: Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm just going to add that if you are in a state of Florida, for instance, or another red state, maybe just, you know, say nothing so that you can keep your job.
0: Right. That's the other thing is like you also don't have to um, make that intervention if you're like, boy, if I lost this job, I don't know how I would pay my bills and I'm not sure if I can get another job elsewhere. Um, it is, I think, useful to ask these questions where possible but it's also true that especially if this is a kid that you see for like half an hour twice a year and don't really have much of an ongoing relationship with there's a sort of built-in limit to how much they're going to listen to you anyways but yeah i I think there's not one bulletproof question that is going to make someone stop and say like wow you're right like i shouldn't become a prosecutor like that this this is wrong but you know
1: all you can present are options but not force your opinion down other people's throats, unless of course they ask.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, there's, there's a, there really is, I think, a spectrum between, you know, expressing an ethical concern or saying, have you considered these like ethical quandaries you'll encounter that is really sh- stopping short of uh, shoving an idea down somebody's throat. Again, like if you bring it up, if you ask the question and they're resistant, Certainly don't push it. Don't, like, follow them around and, like, hand them, uh, you know, leaflets from the Innocence Project. But
1: but you could have them hanging up in your office, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> you absolutely. can absolutely have them hanging up in your office. You can absolutely have the books, you know, of justice and rights advocates on your desk, you know, mm-hmm. just there. Yeah. Just there.
0: Yeah. Um, just the entire uh, walls of the office are just how to blow up a pipeline. Oh, <laughs> shit. Become an <laughs> eco-terrorist. Um, yeah. I, I, I do wish that I had sort of like more of a thorough question. This does not strike me, sorry, a thorough answer. This doesn't strike me as like, wow, you have a job where you're, you know, being asked to do things that really go against your Values and yes. beliefs so much as just like, yeah, you're you're dealing with a, a ton of kids with a bunch of different ideas about what they might want to do with their life. You would like to be able to influence them where possible in what you believe to be the most ethical direction, but you're also aware that you can't you can't make everybody uh, listen to you, and you maybe only have a few minutes before they have to go to their classes. So
1: yeah, and I can tell you that I remember I, but I do you know the seeds are important. You never know when they're going to blossom, but I, <laughs> I I can remember teachers and administrators that were very instrumental in how I came into my career. So, you know, you drop a seed, you say a prayer, you let it go.
0: Yeah. And then there's always, and I'm not saying you should do this letter writer, but like there is always just like general obstructionism, which is like, oh, they're actually done hiring prosecutors. There are no more of those. Good idea. They ran out. Oh, Lockhart Martin, they're not hiring anymore. They're finished. Yeah. Yeah. On the verge
1: of bankruptcy.
0: They finished early. They just they hired everybody they needed. They're good. Um, I have a memo here. So can I interest you in this copy of how to blow up a pipeline? (laughs) But yeah, you know, don't feel like if you can't change somebody's mind that like you were the last line of defense that failed. Kids have dumb ideas. So do adults. And, uh, you know, do your best and then focus, you know, focus, especially not just on like, I think there's some ways it can be kind of like, you know, we come from a slightly like Christian culture, um, and so there can sometimes be this sort of appeal of like, the best thing I can do is save the lost souls. Like, I should go after the lost sheep. That's the most exciting thing to do. If I can peel away somebody who wanted to become a prosecutor or work for Lockheed Martin, that's the best, as opposed to, I think it's actually likelier that you're going to get a lot of kids who probably have vague but solid senses of, of what would be a good thing to do but don't really know what they're good at or what they want. And I think a lot more of your energy would would go to better effect by, you know, focusing on the kids who are a little unsure but open um, and pointing them in the direction of work that you believe would be, like, meaningful.
1: And, I mean, to to be honest, kids only – kids understand – so far as they can see. So presenting different options and opportunities within the same field, if it's justice work or defense work that they want to do, and you had brought up the housing defense. I mean, there are so many different aspects of that. So being the person that can expand their mind beyond what it is that they may be seeing, you know, could be your role, but you can't save everyone. So don't exhaust yourself in trying to do so. Just present options and assets. To those options. And I think that that is what helps plant those seeds.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, beyond that, if there's a couple of like relatively, you know, um, I, I don't know, like, it seems silly to approach this with the term like harm reduction. But like, if a lot of students are coming through your doors, and it sounds like they are who all want to work for like defense contractors or really evil corporations, I don't know, pick a couple other like big employers in the area that are like, a little bit less evil, and then try to redirect like, well, what if you got a good job at like Texas Instruments, you know, like you could go make a lot of money. It's not like a, it's not a job where you're like saving the world, but it's a little bit better than building drones, you know, Um, have a couple of sort of like bland alternatives rather than like, I want to try to move you from one end of the spectrum to the other over the course of like our three sessions throughout the semester.
1: I agree wholeheartedly.
0: And um, I think that's all I've got for that one. Do you have any final thoughts?
1: Lay out the pamphlets and the books.
0: All right, well then, in that case, I think we're ready to move on to this real Rorschach test of a letter. I often say I wish that people would include more details in their letters. This has got to be top 10 one of them, because there's a sort of moment where we jump from one thing to another thing, and I am so curious how we got there. Mm. And we'll simply have to speculate, you and I, so let's get ready. The subject is scared of scapegoating. I'm a recovering leftist organizer who's struggled to find their way in activism and community after being canceled. Years ago, I had some miscommunication with some activists, i.e. timeline on planning events, and what I would label as personal conflict, I dated someone else's crush, which has swelled to some big accusations of white supremacist behavior. This, coupled with a heartbroken ex and other disagreements where people didn't want to have a difficult conversation, has led to a lot of negative gossip about me. I see friends dropping like flies as they hear the flurry of troubling narratives about me. I've reached out to a few people to try and discuss and heal the rupture, but it's also been pretty messy, and I've mostly avoided any situations where I might be rejected by my community." Should I be more upfront about addressing this with people or let people's toxic groupthink speak for itself? And how do I navigate wanting to organize again when I'm scared of being judged in the worst light from any perceived harm from someone? whoa. I'm not sure if this exactly relates to our first letter, but like maybe if our first letter writer hears this, that will relieve some of the anxiety of like, oh, if I can't move all these people into organizing in leftist spaces, I'll have failed. And it's like, well, maybe you'll have saved them some of whatever this is.
1: I am. I mean, I have so many more questions than advice. Like, I want to know about how this ties into white supremacy. I want to understand like, the, why you were canceled and what the thoughts were. I want to know if you actually knew that you were dating somebody else's crush and how close you were with that person. Like, there are so many
0: questions here. I know. And I, like, I'm sort of, like, I, I had been kind of on the line of, like, should I run this or not? Because there's so few details here. There's, there's not much we can do. But I also thought it's kind of fun uh, in a, like, messy, banana's way. Um, and it's it's kind of fun as a Rorschach test to try to think about, like, you know, how do we contend with interpersonal disagreements? Uh, what jumps or leaps of logic do we sometimes make uh, in our own defense or or in defense of others? And And what does it mean to organize versus have friends?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the things to take into consideration for the author of this is that in order to be an effective organizer, people actually need to trust you and want to follow you. Yeah. Um and so if you're finding that trust has been broken, I wouldn't attempt to jump back into organizing until I consider first how I regain trust, right? And what is it and ultimately what is it that broke that trust? Like is this really just a personal issue or is it so intermingled with the professional as well? Because if you can mitigate or understand at least where the fault came, then you can begin to rebuild. But if you're trying to organize in the space where these people are, I don't think that you're going to have success until this is remedied.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was a thought that I was wondering as well. Is like, well, what do you want to organize? Like, are you trying to organize an event? Are you trying to organize like, a, a new organization? Are you trying to organize like a right. particular direct action? Like, and, and you know, yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't know a way to organize without, you know, directly talking to people, persuading them of mm-hmm. your ideas and working with them in an ongoing way where there's like mutual trust. So I, I guess one of my uh, pieces of advice here would be you might want to organize and you might not be able to. You mm-hmm. can certainly try, but if other people don't want to organize with you, you you really can't make them.
1: No. I think that all you can work on is trying to figure out if there is um, a leader in this situation that is leading the canceling against you.
0: Do you think that there's actually, I mean, obviously people use the word cancellation to refer to a broad range of things, but like to me, at least in this letter, it feels like, It's mostly like I've stopped talking to a lot of my friends because I felt like they were starting to avoid me. And so we just all haven't talked in a while. And that to me feels very different from like uh, being blackballed from an organization or a bunch of people like pretending not to know you in public. This is like a group of friends who have avoided talking.
1: But they say a miscommunication with some activists and that they would label it as a personal conflict but apparently the miscommunication is being labeled as like a professional one on other people's side and i'm a saying and i'm going to assume mm-hmm. that if you're talking about white supremacist behavior maybe the activism is around social justice to some extent mm-hmm. and so i'm i'm curious here and my advice would be that if you're talking about group think Right. Then who is the leader of said group mm. and maybe trying to have a conversation, sit down reconciliation with that person and see if that if see if that can help you re-enter the community that it seems like you've been ostracized from.
0: Yeah, I, 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 man, this one is. Yeah, this one is so just like uh, I find myself wanting to like pick one detail and, and stick to it. and And there's just so little to hang a hat on. Um, you could certainly consider talking to your friends. Um, You say that you've been avoiding any situations where you might be rejected, but you want to organize again, and those are just kind of um, mutually exclusive. You can either avoid a lot of situations where you might be rejected, or you can try to find a way to organize again, or at least try to. Um, But I don't really see how you could possibly do both at the same time. And, you know, again... I, you know, I'm, I can imagine situations where, like, it is not unheard of for people in leftist uh, organizations to uh, rather than say, like, you hurt my feelings or I feel rejected to say this is because of the patriarchy or white supremacy or homophobia and want to put, like, moral reasons for getting mad at a friend. Um, it's not unheard of for a group of white people to accuse one another of white supremacy in order to, like, strengthen a claim. It's also not unheard of for somebody who has been accused of, like, white supremacist behavior to want to downplay it as just, like, interpersonal messiness. So I really don't want to say that, (laughs) like— Oh,
1: my God. That was everything. That was everything. It's, like, every angle that could possibly—I need more info here.
0: (laughs) Right. And so I don't want to say either, like, I can really feel comfortable taking the letter writer's uh, description Mm -hmm. of the events and say this is just about, like, mislabeled resentments— um, or on the other hand, I don't know that the letter writer hasn't included any like smoking gun here where I'm like, whoa, 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 the crush thing is a red herring. Clearly the issue is that like you said something racist. So, you know, just given given that letter writer, I guess I would say like if you try to look as objectively as possibly back on what happened, do you think that there's anybody that you feel like I kind of actually might owe them an apology Or I actually think that I did behave in a way that, like, hurt them or, like, unnecessarily aroused bitterness or suspicion or resentment um, in a way that I think I shouldn't have done and that it was wrong and that I want to, like, make amends for. And if the answer is no, that's going to, you know, dictate what kind of conversations might be possible with people. Then it might just be really as simple as I want to try to clear things up with my close friends. And if they don't accept my version of events, I have to let that one go. Or... If you, you know, look back and think like, I think there actually was more to the story and I've been defensive about it, you might approach it in more of a spirit of like, I'm sorry. And I want to hear more about like how I hurt you or how I messed up. And again, I, I just don't have enough here to say which one I think the letter writer should do, but probably one of those two things.
1: Yeah. I think that it's important to unpack the situation for yourself, like you're saying, in an objective as manner as possible. And your timeline of wanting to jump back in, dear letter writer, may not be the people's timeline who feel harmed. They may not coincide. And so really taking the time to unpack and think about why the turn of events occurred and then maybe reaching out at some point, but maybe not right now, to the person who was most harmed.
0: Yeah. And if you find that, you know, either these conversations aren't currently possible or that you've tried to have some more of them and that doesn't get you anywhere, you know, I would encourage you as you pursue other friendships with other new people to consider what might you be able to do in the future to avoid similar miscommunications. That's not to say that you can, like, guarantee you'll never have conflict with friends again in the future, but if this escalated that intensely and that quickly from there was some miscommunication about a timeline to... I am now being accused of white supremacy. Um, It would just, again, like, again, without saying that it must have all been your fault because I don't have enough information there. um, I just think it would do you some good to reflect on, were there earlier moments when we were starting to get resentful of one another um, Mm -hmm. where I could have pushed for, because again, you can't go back in time and control their behavior and you can't control their future behavior, but you could say, did I, at some point, choose to be a little defensive rather than reach out and say, oh, I want to clarify this. Like, did I instead feel like I shouldn't have to? Because, man, I shouldn't have to almost never leads to anything good because, like, whether you should or should have to doesn't doesn't do the work of checking in, clarifying, confirming, making sure you're all on the same page, having a five-minute conversation now that can save you a four-hour argument in six months.
1: And is this really about the harm that you caused, or is it about the perception thereof? Because if you really have intention of, let's say, trying to be better in the future, then this really isn't about just repairing your own character or the perception of of your character. It is really about getting to the harm that was caused. And doing it because you would rather not make these repeats, you know, you'd rather not repeat the same mistakes in the future. So really check in with yourself about why you're really trying to make amends
0: at this point. Yeah. And, you know, again, I have, you know, I'm curious about the heartbroken ex. Um Mm-mm. I don't know if that's at all related to the the crush of someone else's that you dated or not, but like Yeah, I'm just I'm wondering here, like, were these people that you mostly met through your ex and then you two broke up and then they sort of like just naturally drifted off with your ex, which often happens regardless of being like leftists or organizing or whatever. Like, I I think, letter writer, frankly, one thing that will help you in the future is when you are inclined to say messy, I think it's useful to stop and get specific. What exactly happened? What exactly didn't happen? Who's mad about what reasons? you might not have all the information by yourself, and that's not to say that your interpretation of events is is the only accurate one, but messy just it means very little other than like unpleasant or difficult. And I think it will like I'd have a really different answer if this was like I have an ex who's really mad at me because of how I treated them, and we used to have a lot of mutual friends, but they all knew my ex first, and then when I dumped my ex. These people aren't really my friends anymore. I'd be like, well, I kind of get that. That's sad and I'm sorry, but that makes sense. Versus like friends I've known since high school who I would have hoped would at least have a conversation with me suddenly stopped talking to me because they got a little antsy about my not being universally beloved. Then I would have really different advice for this letter writer. And so I think I've kind of exhausted what I can suggest without more of that information. So letter writer, either write us back, let us know a little bit more, and we can try to give you some more specific advice or you know, reflect on how you can act a little bit differently with other friends in the future and keep moving.
1: A hundred percent. And as my dad offers all the time, in order to be terrific, you must be
0: specific. <laughs> that's a beautiful rhyming piece of advice. And I don't often enough rhyme on this show. That's what That's what I give you. I can't put this in rhyming form, but I will say letter writer, if you are looking to make a big play to move into conservative circles, by all means, keep referring <laughs> to being canceled and toxic cancel culture groupthink. That will yeah. get you far. If you're hoping to continue hanging out with other leftists, those are words that uh, I think other people will rightly understand as conservative dog whistles and probably avoid you from. And so I would encourage you merely, again, Like I'm not saying you have to change your view of these events, but merely use synonyms. Uh, you feel like your friends weren't up for having difficult conversations and they avoided you because they're afraid of conflict. People can handle that one. Um, that will get you a lot further with leftists than saying I was canceled, which will make people's eyes glaze over and say, oh, you're about to complain a lot.
1: Yeah. Poor me.
0: Well, this feels like a good moment to sort of pause. Um you, I imagine get to hear sometimes from beleaguered people who feel like they have been canceled. Is this at all something that comes up for you uh, on your own show as as you explore like ideas around like quote-unquote wokeness?
1: Um, you know, I think that the conversations that I have had you know, are usually around people who actually need to be canceled. Like, you know, the politicians that are creating legislation to make certain groups of people in this country absolutely miserable and feel oppressed. And so they're, you know, for for instance, I'm having conversations about, you know, Kanye West um, and all of the things that he has said and done that have caused a lot of harm mm. And the debate happening on whether or not, I mean, I canceled Kanye West a long time ago Um, after he said that, you know, slavery was a choice. So I think that for me, it's more so around, you know, people who have these incredibly large platforms whose, you know, conversations and narratives are dangerous um, to people that don't have as much wealth and privilege um, and comfort as they do.
0: Yeah. I sorry I was nodding vigorously and then I realized no one can hear me do that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Unless you put a bell on yeah. and then they could.
0: Yeah. So is it then is it something that you understand? Cuz again I'm just often curious like it, like with the word messy, I feel like I sometimes hear people use the word canceled and and I don't know exactly what they mean by it. Is it something mm-hmm. that you feel like it can be done on an individual level? It's it's like a synonym for I'm I, I'm no longer interested in this person or I'm no longer going to like buy any of what they produce, or I'm going to, like, do what I can to try to um, remove them from public life? Or or is it yeah. something that, like, that's slightly tongue-in-cheek and you see it as more of a collective action? Where does it Where does it fall for you?
1: I think that it's more, I mean, for me, whenever I hear, you know, so-and-so is canceled, it is usually a collective action of people deciding that they're no longer going to consume, purchase, you know, celebrate, lift up, someone's work or their character or their music, their art, etc. Mm-hmm. I think that on an individual basis, that just means like, okay, I'm not going to listen to Kanye West anymore. I'm not going to, you know, purchase Yeezys. I think they're ugly anyway. You know, it like things, you know, things like that, like on a one-to-one, I, I would never use that term. Like, oh, I canceled so-and-so, right. but it would, it's more so the the collective of, where are people, where are the, where are communities around certain individuals? And I think that that, you know, is, is more likely mm-hmm. what people mean when they say canceled as opposed to like an individual issue. And I do, you know, and I agree with you with the term of messy as well. I think that when people say like, oh, this person is messy or this situation is messy, they're really not taking responsibility for their own, you know, actions or presence in said situation right? Things don't get messy by themselves.
0: Right. And it's like that sort of idea of concept creep where like there are certain situations where I would hear someone use the word messy. And I'll think, I think I share your understanding of how you're deploying it. I think it's It's appropriate. And then there's ways that it can stretch further and further to cover other things. And I think sometimes that also happens with the word harm, like people sometimes use the word harm, especially like in sort of leftist conversations um, in ways that can mean anything from like pretty specific types of abuse that are probably better served Mm -hmm. by using those specific words to just general hurt feelings uh, ruptured relationships, uh, instincts in collision. Um, and that's not to say that then like those words must be abolished because that's going to happen almost no matter what term becomes newly like popular. Uh, so much as just, it's sometimes useful to break those terms down and get a little bit more specific as your father so memorably said.
1: <laughs> yes. I think it's important to unpack things, right? We, you know, we, we live in a time where we don't all have the same definitions. Uh, for things. And I think that that's part of a a lot of the ways in which we have miscommunication across, you know, a lot of platforms, a lot of spaces is because, you know, you have people that are defining things that are not commonly understood. So I think it's best to kind of dig in to those words, those questions and, and ask more. What do you mean by this? What does this mean to you?
0: And I'm so sorry to get so stuck on this, but did your father ever say any other rhymes that you uh, would care to share with us? Because I just, I find myself so tickled by that.
1: In order to stand out, you have to be outstanding. Son of a gun. (laughs) You had that one. Locked
0: and loaded. You were ready.
1: I mean, I grew up with these. Sure. No, sure, sure, sure. (laughs) Yeah, my dad is fantastic.
0: That is incredible. <laughs> I, okay, well, you, maybe you can help me with this then. Because the other day I was asking around, um, trying to get a sense of, like, how to gauge various semi-folksy expressions that I grew up with. And uh, I was surprised because I'd given people four uh, options. And the one that, like, hands down one as the folksiest expression was what in the Sam Hill And I thought there was another one that would have at least been like a stronger contender. And I found out most people that I was talking to had not heard it. So I'm curious. Are you familiar with the exclamation, G No. All right. Fair enough. Well, if anyone listening has, uh, please write in and let me know. And maybe also let me know like where you grew up, where your parents grew up, who you first heard it from, because it's got to come from somewhere. I've never heard that one. I don't think it's like one of those expressions you think everyone says and then you like go to college and you realize like your mother made it up and no one else in the world says it but her.
1: Amazing. But there is one expression that I've always liked and I never grew up with it, but it's bless their hearts. A
0: a beautiful one.
1: I, I I love, but it's so sarcastic and just so, like so brilliant. Oh, bless their hearts. Yeah. And I'm not Southern enough to pull it
0: off. I wouldn't give it a try. (laughs) Uh, but I like the idea of having like aspirational folksy sayings. Like someday, mm-hmm. I, I hope to like have enough um, gravitas to be able to pull off a bless their heart or a you know some other uh, folksy saying. Well, the search for the origins of Minently continues. I have, if you don't mind, a quick like a lightning round final letter that I'm going to try to answer in a minute. And if oh. you're if you're if you're available to stick around. Uh, you know, I'd appreciate that.
1: Okay, let's go. Let's do it.
0: Fantastic. Um, this also inspired a brief Twitter thread for me yesterday. So I've also already kind of answered it uh, on another platform, but uh, I'm going to answer it again here. The subject is NB exhaustion. I'm scared to come out to my father as non-binary. My dad is a massive transphobe and his favorite excuse is, quote, when archaeologists dig up your bones, they'll label you as male or female, which is just incidentally not as cool as your father's advice. Turns out that isn't even actually fully true. I learned more from an archaeologist on Twitter. It hurts my mental health every time he uses my dead name and my old pronouns. Everyone around me is also unsure of what to do. I'm stuck in a painful place and I need some advice. What I had said uh, on Twitter about the bones thing, which I realize is not the main issue here, but just is generally important. uh, There's the underlying fantasy is just the fear of death and this belief that somehow you'll be able to influence or affect the living after you die no one's going to dig up your bones um nothing will happen to your bones after you die except for you know gradual decomposition uh, 99.99% of all bones never get dug up no one's going to look at them and maybe that sounds dispiriting i think it's you know totally neutral like no one's going to dig up your bones. No one's going to look at them and and make any speculation about what kind of life that you lived. Um, your bones will be anonymous um, as all bones eventually become. So I, I guess that's like my real thought there is just like people want to feel like, well, if I can't persuade trans people to hate themselves and become transphobic like myself now, uh, I can try to imagine a future where I get c- to control how uh, future generations experience my trans contemporaries and it's just not how life works. We die and then we stop being important. So that's that. the The issue, obviously, it sounds like maybe you live with your dad, letter writer, which is mm-hmm. especially difficult. I don't know if you're able to move out or if you're still a minor living at home. I, I think, given that he is like explicitly and massively transphobic, I would encourage you to hold off on coming out to him until such a time as you can live somewhere else and like Mm -hmm. get some distance and consider him right now as a person who needs limited, minimal information about your interiority just for your own protection and safety. Take that elsewhere. Find other trusted, confidential sources of support. Come out to him when you live far away and you don't have to sit around and share a living room while he says dumb shit about what he thinks might happen to your bones, which again, I just really want to stress, no one is ever going to dig up.
1: Yeah, I one letter writer, I feel for you, sending you a, a, a virtual hug. I think that what you can do to the same point that Danny just made is is to create the community that will hold you, that will love you, that will care for you, and really protect your mental health. What does that look like? It may look like limiting your interactions, um, which is very hard to do if in fact you do live together, but maybe trying to spend more time outside of the house with people who, you know, who love and support you and care for you. Maybe it is, you know, looking up trans organizations, LGBTQ plus organizations and centers, where you can build both, you know, a community in real life and online and kind of get the documents and the, you know, the, the help that you need and if, and when you are ready uh, to come out. And I agree coming out is, is not necessarily always safe, which is why people wait until they are older, until they are not economically dependent, financially dependent on, you know, the people who are causing them emotional distress and harm. And so if it is possible for you to live a full life, but maybe one that is compartmentalized at the time in order to preserve your safety, I think that you do that.
0: Yeah, and just, you know, uh, think of is just putting quarters in the bank of I'm not going to talk to you after I'm um, 18. Yeah. And, and he's he's, you know, he's got a long line of credit there. And I don't mean to make light of that, but just he's saying all this stuff to you so you won't come out to him. You know, that's the reason that he brings it up all the time. Uh, I'm, you know, again, very close to 100% sure that he knows um, or suspects that you could come out to him. Uh, And that's why he says all this shit. So please don't waste your energy thinking like, oh, is there a way I could say this to him that would like convince him to think about this differently? I want you to know he knows. That's why he's doing it. That's why he brings it up all the time. You know, transphobic parents who have kids they think are not trans— don't go on about it all day they do it with kids they think might be trans because they want to make it very clear without saying I'm worried you're going to come out and I want to make sure you don't Uh, it's that that way they get plausible deniability but it is precisely because he already knows um, that he is saying all this shit so you actually don't need to come out to him Um, he is letting you know every day uh, that he's already on top of it and he's doing his best to stop you Um, And I wish him, you know, a short, lonely life after you get out of there. Um, Feel free to edit that if you're like, I don't wish him dead, you weird stranger. Uh, Don't bring that energy into my family. (laughs) But um, yeah, just focus on yourself. Get out of there. Don't worry about your bones. And don't don't worry about like if I can just have a long enough argument with him where I can prove something about how future archaeologists might receive bones differently, then he's going to say, oh, you're right. The veil's been lifted from my eyes. I care about trans people now. It would just be a waste of your time and energy. No one cares that much about future bones. It's it's a fig leaf. It's a covering for what he really wants to do, which is keep you from coming out. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I have nothing else. Um, do you have anything else that you want to share with the people before we let them go back into their own lives?
1: No, just be well, be kind, you know, love each other. Life is very short and the world is spinning very fast.
0: That's true. And faster and faster every day. So fast that our bones will eventually fly out of our graves and off into space, and then no one will be able to find them. Right. Danielle, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show today. I had a fabulous time. I hope that you did too. Thank you so
1: much for having me.
0: And here's a preview of our Slate Plus episode coming this Friday. I think some people approach conflict like they do approach like Velociraptors in Jurassic Park or T-Rexes. where It's like, (laughs) if you don't see me move, it's not happening. So it's sort of like, yeah, maybe I'll call you next week. And it's just like, you're not going to. You know you're not going to. You just want so badly for this to not be a fight. You will say anything.
1: You know, I'll say that when I have had conflict with friends... It has always been me saying that I need to take space, but genuinely it's because I don't want to respond or have a conversation from a place of anger. And so I think that that it is fine on the friend's side to want to set that space and take that time, but to never follow up, to never loop back is really problematic and frankly, you know, immature,
0: To listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash mood.